All right. <laughs> I guess we're live. Ow. All right, let's go. You guys got to do it closer to the mic. Welcome, everybody, to the Jake Pentland Show. I'm joined with my two obnoxiously immature best friends, Eli and Jen, who currently are slapping each other on the inside of the wrist with a pencil as hard as they can. Oh, you're a wimp. Oh, I heard that one. I have welts already. All right, now Jen's turn. Do it in the... I have welts. Do it, Eli. Where do we go until someone quits? Ooh, that sounded that cool. Was painful. Yeah. You guys are children. I love pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to feel something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hearing much on your mics, guys. There's one on my side. All right. Well, fuck it. Uh, who won, by the way? N- neither, because we both like it. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Jake Pentland Show. Today, we are going to discuss a great article by a guy named Tim Elmore, who we actually invited onto the show, but unfortunately, it was a little too late notice. Um, he said he was doing something else. I'm not sure if we scared him off with the cult or the ass pics or whatnot. But um, He actually responded? Yeah. He said, I, I'm out of town. But he didn't say, hey, hit me up. We'll try another time. So it seemed a little suspicious. And then Jen did her voodoo witchery after him. And it didn't work. But it's not going to stop us from discussing what is actually a very brilliant. Uh, well, it's actually a book. But Eli had found an article written by this woman named Kathy Caprino who sort of uh, summarized his book. And I thought it was fascinating. Eli thought it was fascinating. And so did Jen. And we're going to discuss it. We're going to try and do an intelligent podcast. It's been a long time since we've done that here at the Jake Pentland Show, so I'm excited. And then afterwards, we're going to discuss uh, something we wanted to get to quite a few times, but always ran out of times, which was the Charlie Hebdo uh, terrorist attack in France. Uh, we won't bore you with any details. I think everyone knows what happens. But we're going to discuss sort of... Um, the world's response to it and really try and have an intelligent discussion about what we can do. Because I think so many people are either now they're just saying, Oh, you can't say anything bad about Muslims or whatever. It's become this political correct uh, conversation when it shouldn't have anything to do with it. This is uh, you know, we're at war and we should discuss it as a war. And then uh, we'll, if there's time, we'll get to some news after that. So anyway, relax, sit back um, and chill. Jen, can you, uh, talk for a second why do something well you didn't mention my haircut to <laughs> oh everybody. shit yeah i'm sorry good uh i like it jen dyed her hair black you feeling are you feeling like do i have to worry about you killing yourself oh no i'm so happy really why does it make you feel happy to have like black hair you know it's hard to not always match your soul <laughs> so <laughs> so you feel like in your own skin yes i just don't understand why women do this like i think because you guys don't really do anything with your lives like us men do you know, like we go out and like make things and invent things go bald and like run things and you guys are like oh i feel like my life has no meaning uh what should i do i'm gonna get a haircut that's like the extent of what you guys think is changing right (laughs) eli am i right that's so sexist jake i'm sorry but it's kind of true i mean a little true no i needed a change people need change but it's just it's just but it's just hair yeah Yeah. okay and i think it looks you have rules you don't let your wife cut her hair it's yeah. not that I don't let my wife cut her hair because you're making me sound like a fucking like. You just don't think she'll look good if she did. Here, I'm wh- sorry. I thought your words were Alicia isn't allowed to cut her hair. Well, it's did Twitter. I misunderstand <laughs> yeah, that? Apparently, no. You understood. Okay, Here, let me explain it before I sound like a fucking wife beater. Uh, real quick, I want callers today. No pressure. No one's gonna be kicked out of the cult. I don't need you to call if you don't have anything to talk about. But we'd appreciate it because we are going to be talking about things. And like I said, we're going to try an intelligent show for once. The number is 877-905-1958. Again, it's 877-905-1958. If you're a regular caller, we'd love to hear from you. If you're new, that's even better. Um, But yeah, Jen, here's the thing. 
my wife is part Asian, right? And the part of her Asianness is Filipino. And I don't know if you ever looked at those people, but they call them pineapple heads. That's the racial. I've never heard that. Yeah, that's like the N word over there. One of them. And the reason they call them pineapple heads is because their shapes, their heads are actually shaped like a pineapple. Like a, they have the flat face and the big round face. So my wife, although she's beautiful, she has those features. And there are certain haircuts that go with those features. The haircut you have currently does not go well on her face. And that's the one she wanted she a long a time ago. She has a cute little forehead. I have like a 4.5. <laughs> yeah, you have a five head. <laughs> I have a six head. But uh, so she, one time she's doing that thing like that girls do, like, oh, I need a change in my life. But instead of like actually doing anything, I'm going to get a haircut. And I told her, I was like, um, what What are you going to do for your haircut? And she's like, oh, I think I'm going to do exactly what you have. The flat bangs over the eyebrows and then the thing. And I immediately saw Mrs. Swan. Remember on that <laughs> TV? It looked like a man. <laughs> and I'm looking at my wife's big you know, Filipino face. I'm like, no, you really shouldn't do it. Right. Because even though I seem like I don't, well, I don't know anything about fashion. I do know what looks good. Just because I don't follow it in my own life doesn't mean I don't have taste, right? So I tell her, I go, Alicia, you're not gonna, it's not going to look good on you. It's not going to be flattering. And she was like, yes, yes, you don't know shit. You can tell me what to do. I'm like, uh, you can do it if you want, but you're going to regret it. I know you're going to regret it. And sure enough, she went and cut it. The whole next day, she came back from the haircut. And she's like, see, I love it. <laughs> the next day, basically in tears. She's like, I look like Miss Swan. <laughs> so we made an agreement after. I said, if you ever get that urge to do your hair like you have, Jen, when you dyed your hair. Because, again, women don't do anything with their lives. So that's as exciting as they get. She said, uh, I told her to run it by me. And I'll give her my honest opinion. Because I'm that guy. You know, when a woman goes, hey, honey, do I look fat? I'll say, yeah, you look fucking fat. Because <laughs> you should be honest if you love someone, right? Oh, yeah, I don't ask if I don't want to know. So long story short, she gets this other wild hair up her ass to cut her hair short, like right here on her shoulders. Again, she's five foot nine. She's 160 pounds. She's very pretty, but she's a big one. She's an Amazonian woman. She would have been a warrior in the like 1600s in the Amazon. And I tell her, don't cut your hair. It's going to make your body and head look too big. Sure enough, didn't listen, went in, cut her hair, and started crying. So now the rule is she's not allowed to cut her hair without thinking about it. And that's what I meant to say on Twitter. Well, I never think about it. Once I think about it, it's getting done. Like, I get obsessed with having to get it done. Well, I mean, you didn't really change the cut too much. You just cut it across. I so it, it looks dark. fine. I think it looks good. Well, thanks, Jake. I mean, it hides my kinda... forehead. Well, you know, I'm, everyone always says how much better I look with bangs, and I think it's because it hides half of my face. <laughs> yeah. No, don't even don't even get me started because I'll start crying. <laughs> oh, now you're going to make me cry. I used to have bangs. Yeah, see, you could have bangs, right? No, I'm bald. No, you could get like a patch of bangs to cover that forehead. If I, well, that's why like when everyone's like when I wear a hat or take pictures in hats, everyone's like, hey, you're kind of handsome. Well, of course, because you don't see this giant penis looking fucking thing on top of my neck. All right, I'm making sure the show's archiving. Sorry. Uh, if anyone's having any technical issues in the chat room, now's the time to tell me. I think I corrected everything, yeah? We sound good? Everyone's, no one's complaining. All right, let's move on with the show then. So this guy, Tim Elmore, wrote this book called Seven Crippling Behaviors That Keep Children From Growing Into Leaders. This was something actually Eli found. Very impressed with you, Eli. Thanks, Jake. Um, and we kind of liked it, obviously, because I'll be honest, it does vindicate nearly everything we've been doing on the show for the four years we've been together. How long we've been together? Three. Three. Feels like four. Feels like ten. The shows we've done for a long time, this is a lot of the things we talk about. We talk about parenting and personal responsibility. And I wanted to get back into that. And sure enough, this guy writes this this book and I thought we'd go through them. It's just seven topics. We could discuss it for a little bit. And Jen, since you're a parent, uh Eli, you're not a parent but you have a dog. Right. Um you could let me know what you guys think. And again, please call in. 
All right, so number one on the seven damaging parenting parenting behaviors that keep yeah. children from becoming leaders. I don't feel like I hear you, Eli. Oh, that's... I had my mic away from oh. me, but I wasn't talking yet. Okay. <laughs> so number one, we don't let our children experience risk. I'll just read uh, this woman's... Um, you know, summary, because it's better than anything I'd come up with. So this is what he said. We live in a world that warns us of danger at every turn. The safety first, quote unquote, preoccupation enforces our fear of losing our kids. So we do everything we can to protect them. It's our job as parents, after all. But we have insulated them from healthy risk-taking behavior, and it's had an adverse effect. Psychologists in Europe have discovered that if a child does not play outside and is never allowed to experience even a skin knee, they frequently have phobias as adults. This is, again, something we've said on this show multiple times. And, of course, we were met with people going, what do you know? You're not a parent and a shrink. Well, these fucking shrinks back us up here. Kids need to fall a few times to learn that it's normal. Teens likely need to break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend to appreciate the emotional maturity that lasting relationships require. So in other words, when you face risk or you fail or you get hurt, those are the experiences which we draw and grow. Right? Yeah. You guys would agree with that. Jen? Definitely. Okay, so number one, we don't let our children... I have noticed this in the pussy movement, which again, let's not ignore. That's what's ruining everything in this world. And the pussies that have slowly taken over, they've done it through raising their kids to be giant pussies. And we see these kids all over the place now. We see them where, you know, like you have to put on antibiotics and wash your hands like 40 times before you can even shake the kid's hand. And they don't understand that now this kid's not going to develop any immunity. So now he's going to be fucking living like boy in the bubble when he's 16. And these pussies that are raising these kids now don't understand the adverse effect from being, a, I guess you can call it helicopter parent overprotective. And, and I did that a lot when they were little, when they were more susceptible to diseases that could actually hospitalize or kill them. Especially we had um, that flu. What was the weird flu we had going around? Swine flu? Yeah, Avian swine flu. flu was when my kids were toddlers putting everything in their mouth. So, yeah, after we played at a playing ground, I even made it in the newspaper because they caught me um, sanitizing my kids' hands after. And they're like, <laughs> why are you doing that? And I said, oh, the swine flu. But at that age, they are vulnerable. But then you slowly start to let go. I think what happens is some people don't stop that behavior. And it's hard for me. It's hard for me to let go. But I know that they need it to grow. Well, it's I mean, also, oh, sorry. But no, I just go was going to say, like, as a mathematical measurement, the very last sentence basically says, if parents remove risk from child's lives, we will likely experience A, high arrogance, and B, low self-esteem. Which is every kid nowadays, really. Yeah. I mean, that's shocking. It's a good way to measure it. Well, you know, we did a we had a great show here one time where I got this from my friend Vince. It was a brilliant thing to say, but he said the definition of self-esteem, the very first word in self-esteem is self. Remember that show? And in other words, you can't give it to somebody. It has to come from within. So when you have this kind of parenting attack where you're so afraid of your kid having any risk or getting sick, you're not giving them skills to develop any sort of self-worth and it bothers them. They don't know how to explain it. They're not going to come to you and go, hey, you know, Dad, when you don't let me do it, blah, blah, blah. They, they're happy to be lazy and get off. But really, uh, Eli, you have a question? I just was like, what changed? Like when the baby boomers were raised by their parents in the 40s and 50s or whatever, like I don't think they were this protective of their children. But as the baby boomers became parents, why is this whole self-esteem movement and how, you know, how to <laughs> – Based on how they feel, why is that all of a sudden so evident today? I don't know. I uh, That's a really good question. I, I don't even know if it is the baby boomers. I mean, w that's our theory. But as a pattern, parenting was never like this over time, was it? No, and, but that's the thing. See, I, I wasn't alive back in the 40s or 50s, but I've heard tales. And it seemed that maybe back in those days, 
uh, parents were a little bit more, um, took a little bit more space with their kids, let their kids go out and play. And they didn't really, you know, just come home before sundown. And then kids were getting occasionally raped or killed or whatever. And a lot of these kids grew up thinking, you know, my parents were a little aloof. And I've noticed psychologically when we had Dr. Katie on, she agreed with me. Uh, if you look at the generations, it seems that the baby boomers, it's not even that they were born in the 60s and drugs. It was that a lot of them were raised in households with kind of aloof and cold parents that are like those parents themselves just got out of the, you know, they were in, they were in the, you know, fucking World War II. stocks, World War Two, the greatest generation, the, you know, the fucking stock market crash. And yeah. they were so terrified of having to live off bread and charcoal for food so they were like you you know we have to save everything you can't have anything nice so it's believed in a lot of psychological cir uh, circles that these baby boomers grew up and said you know when i have kids i'm going to be a lot more sensitive right i'm going to care more about their feelings i'm not going to tell them all that matters is they get a job i want them to be happy which is a good thing but what happens is they now raise this entire generation of kids that the only concern the parent had was that they'd be happy but these generations of kids are us that's you and me. Yeah, and look We're, how fucked up yeah, we but, are. But the thing is, I think we are the, you know, we are where the pendulum stops swinging. I yeah. think we it's now our turn. And I think a lot of my friends aren't for this self-esteem movement. Like, it's it was really hard watching my son play baseball. And when they'd strike out, they'd still let him go to first base. And it just, <laughs> it hurt my head. I was like, you, you guys realize in a few years they're going to be in tears. And when they started having to be out... These kids were freaking out, you know, and if you did it from the beginning, the way baseball is supposed to be played, it wouldn't have been an issue. Not right. like that. But now these kids are throwing tantrums because they get out. There's coaches that will ask them to play easier on your team. And I mean, we all I don't know if you guys heard, but in uh, San Bernardino earlier in this week, a uh, Southern California high school basketball coach, he coached girls uh, basketball team was suspended. And do you know why he was suspended for winning by a lot? He won by a lot. The final score in this girl, this girls basketball game. First of all, it's girls basketball. I we mean, got next. Um, so who really cares? The final score was one hundred and sixty-one to two, <laughs> and the losing team, their two points were off free throws. So if you don't watch basketball, what that means, they were free shots without any sort of contesting defense. That's, so they pretty much shut them yeah, out. They destroyed them, and the coach got suspended because he was didn't take enough mercy on these losers, and. While I'm not for, you know, when I sit here and say we can help our kids develop self-esteem by letting them take risks and fail, I'm not saying we should punish them mercifully, unmercifully, or, you know, rub their face in shit. We're not sending that message here. But there is a certain grit that one develops when they are humiliated that I think is really important in your development as a person. So when I heard about this news story, I was aghast that they fucking suspended this coach. And the coach on the losing team said, and I quote, don't feel sorry for my team, the team that lost 161 to two, which I do feel sorry for because obviously they they suck and their coach sucks. He said, feel sorry for the winning team because he's not teaching them proper ethics. Ugh. And it's a fucking sporting event. I mean, I know it's high school uh, girls and we want like sports to have a little bit more than just the score, but you shouldn't complain that you lost. You should try and get better. That's the message they used to teach the kids. So you lost 161 to two in the old days in that greatest generation. You come home and you go, dad, we lost 161 to two. It'd be like fucking pussy. Why don't you practice? Yeah. And what did they expect the winning team to do? Just kind of like bounce the ball and like wait until the clock runs out. So they don't score as many points. Basketball yeah. is a very fluid game. There's no like, well, he did a full court press. So for those of you who don't watch basketball, what that means is he brought all five of his players right at the inbound point. 
<laughs> so while they were up by 80. <laughs> he, and he did it the whole game. Wow. So th- that works maybe in spurts in the NBA, but other teams will adjust because they'll just throw it over. And But obviously these girls, these losers, these fucking pathetic 161-2 losers couldn't adjust <laughs> and they got creamed. So it kind of does look a little brutal. And I imagine if I was a parent of a kid on the losing team, I would be a little sensitive, so I understand. But I would that. never think that a coach would be suspended from this. That's kind of no. even though it is ridiculous how much they won. It's like suspend the coach for this. This yeah. is ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. But, but that is more indicative of our time. Yes. But Jen. when I played sports, and we did get out when you got out when I was a kid, even though I was a child of a boomer, um, we did get out then. And if the score reached a certain point at a certain time in the game, um, they called it a mercy rule. Mm-hmm. And they did that, you know, they do that in high school and it's kind of to save time and I guess face to not rub their face in the mud. But to be honest, being losing to a mercy, meaning like you suck so bad we had to cancel the game, is pretty shameful. That's enough to shame them. Yeah, and I mean, we had that little league, um, we had a five run limit. So if a team scored five runs, the inning was over. Because it could... But that was to save time. I don't think that was to save face because they didn't care if you lost. And the other parents would be celebrating if you, you know, if you got hit with the ball, they'd cheer. <laughs> it was a very competitive league, but no one wanted to be there for 15 hours either. So I, I can understand a mercy rule, but there wasn't a mercy rule as far as I understood in this high school basketball game. There was no rule saying he couldn't score. And basketball <laughs> is a timed sport. So it's not like he can just score to 50 points and end the game. The only way to end it is for the entire 60 minute clock to end. And if you score 162 to two, then th- that should be it. You lost. Um, but anyway, so that's that's kind of indicative of what we're talking All right. about. All right, moving on. You like how I tied in a news story? <laughs> yeah, that was that? great, that was Jake. Great, Jake. I've, I've gotten better, huh? You're improving greatly. Well, we've we're we're, we're okay. Number two, I'm not going to make that joke because it'll <laughs> make everyone crazy. Uh, number two, we rescue too quickly. This could also kind of fit in with what we were talking about, but today's generation of young people have not developed some of the life skills that kids did 30 years ago because adults swoop in and take care of the problems for them. And we've all seen this. We've all seen a parent do this. When we rescue too quickly or overindulge our children with assistance, we remove the need for them to navigate hardships and solve problems on their own. It's parenting for the short term and sorely... You can tell the beer hit my tongue (laughs) and sorely misses the point of leadership to equip our young people to do it without help. Sooner or later, kids get used to someone rescuing them. If I fall or fail, if I fail or fall short, an adult will smooth things over and remove any consequences for my misconduct. That's a quote from his book. When when in reality, it isn't remotely close how the world works and therefore it disables our kids from becoming competent adults. Now, to summarize that, you're you're creating this idealistic fantasy world for kids when you when you come in and rescue them. You're saying this is how the world's always going to be when it gets bad. When it's 120 to one in the basketball game, we'll come in and sweep. And that is a, a quote unquote negative skill the kid develops because they're always going to expect you to swoop in. Which how does that help a kid? Yes, Jen. When I was teaching, which was about 10 years ago, and now that I'm a parent, the hardest part of parenting. Take note in case you guys ever are is the wait time and it was something and it relates to the rescuing is you know you ask a child a question and you want to answer it for them right away if they don't know it and a lot of parents will do that oh it's this like what color are you gonna oh that's blue well it's really important to give them the wait time to leave them hanging and make them think about it and same with when my kids fight I can't jump in every time I kind of will sit back and watch and see how they work it out first right and that's probably the hardest part of parenting in the real world, too, when they go to school is like to step back and let the kids try to work it out. And yeah, you've had an experience with that. I have. But, you know, what's funny is I do it without him knowing. 
What did you do again? You did spells, right? Trying to get the girl cancer or something. What was it? What were you doing? I remember. <laughs> no, someone choked my son. Yeah. So I had issues with that. But no, I mean, I kind of let him deal with it in his head. But I went to the principal and said, this is bullshit. And then you found out where the girl lived. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> just kidding. Let's just say she doesn't go to the school anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't go anywhere anymore. <laughs> not going to not going to work here anymore. But no, it's important <laughs> to let them learn. Um, skills to solve problems problem solving skills are like the hugest skill you can give your child next to sleep well this is the thing about the pussy movement that's always driven me crazy it's not just parenting it's their overall philosophy and everything which is they don't want any sort of homegrown maturity they don't want things to be real because it's too hard so there's this entire movement instead of going hey we got to buckle up here we got to face shit we got to step up the, the approach the rest of us have and the way the real world works, they immediately think, how can I change the situation so that this will never be challenging for me? And that is obviously a huge, huge mistake to make in life, not just parenting. Like you're now saying out loud to yourself that I would rather live in a fake fucking fantasy land and a safety bubble than live a real life that I think is too hard. And worse why the pussy movement in particular drives me the most crazy is now these people are trying to affect legislation. They're trying to affect the way education works. They're out there working very, very aggressively to change the world to fit their ideal, which is born in fear. So how do we as a society, when things like Charlie Hebdo happen, which we'll get to later, I mean, I know that happened in France, but bad shit happens all the time. When the approach now is something bad happened, how do we ignore the pain of the bad thing and then fucking bury our, hand, bury our fucking heads in the sand so that we don't have to feel fear. How do we all do that collectively? And the old days, you'd, you'd be shunned if you said something like that. If you brought that up, they'd go toughen up, you pussy. But now everyone's like, yeah, hey, how do we make it easier? Arm, arm, I mean, an arm, wow. That Ooh, was like Freudian a slip, Sorry. wow. But they're saying in the chat. Um, Call CPS. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying in the chat that maybe if we don't call it the pussy movement that people would listen. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're saying don't use the word pussy for the pussy movement. Well, <laughs> what is this? I mean, okay, look. I, I we have to word that more carefully now, too. I understand that our approach probably isn't the most intellectual. Like, I'm aware of that, everybody. If, uh, let's have a moment with our audience. I understand where I fall short in certain ways. I understand that Sometimes my approach triggers things and makes pussies react. But I want you all to know that is by design. design. That is what I want. Because you know what? I don't want to tailor my speech to make it less offensive for people that are ruining the fucking world. In fact, what I really want to do is find these people, put them in a room, and gas them to death. And I'm not even trying to be funny. I want them off the planet. If you want to know my real approach, these people need to be killed. They're just as bad as Islamic fundamentalists. That's how horrible they are. That's how I feel. Now, I tailor it back and go, you know, I'm just going to insult them. That's me being nice, for the record. Because, again, I want them all to die. <laughs> but the other thing is, I it's not important to me what they think. I don't give a fuck what they think. I think it's brilliant. It's sort of like you're branding a term to try to like have it, uh, an effect on the audience as to what they really are. Well, let's not give all my secrets away. Eli. Oh. No, it's a great point. I learned it, actually, from the great Ronald Let Them Eat Cake Reagan who, when he became president in 1980, he was like, how do I you know, fuck over everybody so that I can make a little extra cash? And what he did is he knew he'd run into people that go, hey, this is wrong what you're doing. 
So what he did is he immediately called them commies and liberals. He made liberal a bad word. And it was very intelligent because if you argued against him, you were immediately branded. We saw it with George Bush after 9-11. You were a commie. You hate, why do you hate America? Freedom fries. Right. It is an approach. And yes, I'm doing that same approach. Right, but the difference between me and those people is the people I'm attacking deserve it. They are really the purveyors of great evil in our society. And I know that it's hard to attack someone that you look at as being weak. I know our natural defense is I want to protect the weak. But there's a difference between the weak that needs protection and the weak that we need to be protected from. And the rest, uh, I think a lot of people, and I'd say the rest of you, to be honest, I don't think you guys understand the level of threat that these pussies, these giant dripping pussies put on this country. You don't see it. You think it's just harmless. In fact, I bet people listen to the show, you guys, think, oh, here's Jake going off on another one of his Jake things. I'm going to be the guy 60 years ago when you look back and you listen to these tapes going, oh, God, why didn't anyone else fucking listen? It was like the people that fucking opposed Hitler in the 30s that were going to assassinate him. That's what we're doing now. It is that bad. I'm not even crazy. You guys think I'm crazy? Let me ask you that. Am I crazy, Jen? Oh, I think you're definitely crazy. Okay. But on this term. No. Right? They're bad. Oh, like, yeah. Because what, what you're is You're damaging worse? them. You're damaging You're hurting children. your kid. Same with people that don't teach their kids to sleep. That's why I said sleep and yeah. teaching them problem-solving skills. If you could focus on those two, your child's going to be a success. Yeah. So if you don't give them sleep skills, they're going to have trouble sleeping the rest of their lives. If you don't give them problem-solving skills, they're going to have problem-solving skills problems the rest of their life. Yeah, it's neglectful and abusive parenting. Let's be honest. Why can't we call it for what it is? Why do we have to worry about protecting these people's feelings? They don't give a shit about their own children. For Christ's sakes. They're putting their kids in positions where their real world is going to chew them up and spit them out, and they're not going to know what to do with it. That's horrible. That's not harmless pussiness. That's not, oh, Jake, settle down. That's Who's speaking for these kids? There are kids, I shit you not, there are millions of kids in this country that are, if they're not fucking on Swiss cheesing fucking brain chemical medicines that fucking ruin their goddamn brains, none of them can take care of themselves. If something were to happen, if their parents died or society broke down and somehow fucking Red Dawn and the fucking chinks invade, these kids are going to die. They're not going to be able to take care of themselves. They can't even handle failing grades in school. And that's terrible. Yes, Jen. Um, our, hot, our hot ass Christy, she said, and she has a lot of good points in here. I like her in our chat. She right, said, let's bring her in. She said, these are the same people who don't care until their kids are shot by the police. Very good point. Christy, you're on the air. We got a new caller. Fresh blood. Christy, can yep, you hear me? I've been sitting here All right. Well, don't say it like that. Like, if, this is what you have to do. You have to wait. Uh, I wasn't waiting that long. Okay, I wasn't good. waiting that long. Yeah, it says 32 minutes. So you're, oh, no, that's Shangi. You've only been waiting 14 minutes. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a good point. Uh, I'll let you air your point for the people that aren't in the chat room. Say it again. Yeah, well, uh, between the risk-taking and the rescue, um, I see a lot of the baby boomer generation, uh, because they were forced to work so early on, they're afraid to have their kids work because they work so hard, and so they don't want to have their kids on their face. That's why you have these 38-year-olds living in their parents' basement. Yes. Because their parents are inevitably crippling them. Yes. They're not even, they're not even enabling them anymore. They're, they're officially crippling them. Thank you. And without doing that and taking these risks and whatnot, like I wasn't allowed personally to cross the street until I was 12 years old. Your parents so, were overprotected. I mean, the, yeah, yeah, extremely. So, so by not allowing your kid to kid to cross the road till you're 12 years old i mean it, by the time i hit 14 i was like well i'm out of here you know i'm <laughs> see you later i can take care of myself and then i realized how cruel the world really was because 
they put me in this little tiny bubble that I thought, oh, well, you know, cops don't die and the bad guy always dies and, you know, this is what happens. And then I went out into the real world and, you know, got slapped right in the face, you know. And my brother just moved out of the parents' basement at the age of 23, and I don't think the world has yet to really slap him in the face. So and, and it really hits close to home here. And you are, you know, you obviously love your brother. And you you probably understand what I'm talking about when you talk about that sort of impending sense of doom where you know what's going to happen for him. It's like you know he's going to go on the butcher block, get his fucking head chopped off, and you can't do anything to stop it. And it's 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 cruel. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and jump on your parents. I don't know them personally, and I know it's common to say, oh, they did the best they could, whatever. All that psycho babble shit aside, whatever they did didn't work. And now this kid, and you already have gone through it, your brother is going to have a really hard time, a much harder time than he should. And that's wrong. Why isn't? Why aren't people more upset about this? That's what I want to know. Because they're baby boomers, I believe. They don't see that they're doing anything wrong. I mean, my mom is still there. God, I just totaled my car last Thursday, and um, not even a week later, I already have a brand-new van and her name and whatnot. You know, I'm not saying that... I'm completely off my mother's tits, but, you know, right. she's still there to help and want to help me, you know, become a better person. But meanwhile, you have my brother who's got this brand new truck, who's moved in and out with these girlfriends, who dated a friend of mine who was batshit crazy, who I dated when I was younger, um, a girl, obviously. And I Hot. told him, I was like, hey, this girl is batshit crazy. Be careful. You know, she's out of her mind. She's a little loopy. Was that Jen? And he got mad at me and said she's not. And the <sighs> next thing you know, she's going crazy. And he was like, oh, my God, you were right. You know, and then he, he, he meets this girl on World of Warcraft and moves down to Texas and buys this truck. Modern love. Two-wheel drive. And six months later, he's moving back to Wisconsin in the middle of December. And he's asked my mom if he can put a snowplow in the front of his two-wheel drive truck because he bought it in Texas. You know, <laughs> he's got no real world experience. You get this kind of ripple effect here. That's so sad. And again, it's I think the one of the biggest problems with this, uh, what we call ourselves, sort of the anti-pussy movement people, is that it's it's such a subtle level of abuse and neglect for children. It's it's very subtle. It's not like where you can see the weird kid down the street, you watch his parents like slap him in the face and you know he's being abused and we all would. Oh yeah, the one that kills kills animals and stuff. Yeah, yeah that weird kid like <laughs> like how Jen was. And we see it and we go. I never <laughs> killed animals. Can we make that clear before I get reported, please? <laughs> call CPS on Jen, everyone. Here's the number. No, uh, and you see that weird kid and what happens is we would call CPS. We would go look. And why would we call? Because we'd feel like the kid couldn't protect itself. They're in a bad situation. Right. So on and so forth. And right. it's it's an aggressive abuse, we understand. When it's this low-level abuse, and it's almost, I mean, let's I'll give the parents a break. It's unintentional. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how bad they're fucking their kids up. We all kind of feel guilty pointing out how shitty of an approach of a parenting style it is. None of us want to go, hey, you're too, you know, you you rescue your kid too much. Because like we part of us also kind of goes, well, that comes from a good place, you know? They, they want to build up their self-esteem. Right. They want, so it's very hard to approach just how damaging this is. But the thing is, when you really start seeing these kids grow up, like I have, I'm one of them, if anything, we all are, and you understand how the real world is, now when you're an adult looking back and you see kids that are going to be 18, 19 going into the real world that are raised that way, you do kind of feel like you owe it to them. You've got to step up and go, look, this is wrong. And it's just a very difficult message to do. It's probably why we're on the Internet. I mean, real. let's be real. 
<laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> that's why I'm on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're all on the internet. But it's not a message like, I'm not going to go into fucking CBS tomorrow and go, hey, I got this great show. You want to buy it? Yeah, what's it about? Oh, we attack people that, you know, seemingly care about their children. No one. That's why this will never get too big. But in 20, 30 right, years, right. people are going to come around and they're going to go, holy shit. They're already seeing it now. I mean, this article that came out, the reason we're going to read it, um, and I got to move on to the next one in a second, Christy, is that there are people that are seeing it. Now you have fucking teams of psychologists studying it, and they're finally seeing what we've been doing here for three, four years on this radio show. So good find, Eli. Thanks, Coach. All right, I'm going to move on to the next one. Christy, stay on, stay on the line, please. How are you? Uh, number three, we, this one really potentially makes me the craziest. Am I reading these too slow, Jen? No, but we only have an hour. You should turn your microphone on if you want to answer me, fucking dipshit. No, but we only have an hour. Great job, Jen. All right. Well, all right. I'll, I'll move a little quicker through these. Number three, we rave too easily. I don't even need to read that. We all know what that is. Eli, could you, could you, no way to read it? No, you have personal experience with this because you went to your nephew's basketball game. <laughs> they were cheering when the kids shot the basketball. They wouldn't even make it. Right. Yeah, there was. <laughs> Baseball's the same were, way. Yeah, these were like, like yeah, six-year-olds. Fucking and, losers. And uh, they weren't even playing another team. It was like they were playing themselves. But they were dressed in their own uniforms, and they would shoot the basketball. And I remember sitting near the parents, and they were cheering for the kid even attempting a shot, even though it was an air ball. Yeah. Uh, but they were still, like, thrilled that they attempted to even try to make a basket. And that's terrifying, again, because now the kid's going to expect that kind of reaction just for trying. So what happens, like, again, the real world, you don't get it on your first try. We all yeah. know that, right? you got to suffer. That's the old message. Keep trying, trying again. Now these kids are going to the point where they're going to try. No one's going to rave, and they're going to go, fuck it. I'm just going to stay on my mom's couch the rest of my life. Yeah, yes, Eli. The key word here is earn. Uh, and all these, like, different points that we're reading from this article, a lot of it has to do with the kid or the child actually earning whatever they accomplished. Yes. It's all just sort of, you know— I've that's attempted, I, it, it's just, it's just, it's confusing because that's a huge variable here. Yeah. You would think praise would be like, that's, that's why you, pra that's why you praise. Like yeah. you did something good. Now it's like, you're just going to get this anyway. Yeah. yeah. No, it's terrifying. Christy, you had a point. Yeah. It's just uh, the whole generation has been given this false sense of entitlement. Uh, the baby boomers are told, well, yeah, if you do whatever you can to do what you want to do, you can do it. And now the next generation is seen. Well, you got to do what you wanted to do, so I should just be able to do it because. So we get this huge false sense of entitlement where people just uh, already assume that they should have a job because they have the experience, because they've done this, because their parents know that. And they were able to do it, but their their parents literally hunt butt until they were, you know, and probably had the kid at like 18 or, you know, 22, you know, and they, they worked their butt off to get to where they are, whereas these kids, you know, they're still... 25 28 30 32 living in their parents basement like oh one day i'll get my own home and yet they still feel so entitled to all these things yeah it's fucking terrifying worse this country's falling apart man it's terrifying i'm sorry i have nothing to add to it it's just think about how what what christy's saying what we're all saying like this isn't we're not talking about aliens we all know people like this right right and we're not talking yeah, okay yeah. yeah i mean all right number four because i got to move on jen's giving me the signal we let guilt get in the way of leading well. Now, we all see those parents, too. Like, they either, they, they know that they should uh, scold their kid for doing something wrong, for instance, right? But then they get this, like, sort of gut feeling like, but then the kid's not going to like me, or then did I come off too mean? And they start getting this sort of guilt, uh, whatever, the way they look at their parenting. And then they don't actually lead, because sometimes, many times, being a leader in charge is making the hard decisions. It is saying that's the way the world is. They don't, Jen, did you have a point? No? 
Well, just that, I mean, I tell my kids all the time, my job is to help you be the best humans you can be. And that doesn't mean I'm always going to give you your way. Yeah. Even my baby, who is low weight, he's kind of a small guy. Um, he'll cry and cry and cry for Cocoa Puffs, which is a treat. Right. But, you know, I know dinner's coming up, so I'm not going to give him a bowl of Cocoa Puffs. Right. You know, so. Do you feel guilty, though, when you I take it? I feel guilty because he's hungry. Yeah. And he's small. So I want to give him a bowl of Cocoa Puffs, but I just let him cry. He gets over it and he goes and plays and then he gets a healthy dinner. But you do you have that sort of internal torment or levels of it? Yes. And that's what stops a lot of parents. So how do you move past it? Like, cause because I think it's very normal. More than guilty. anything in the world, I want what's best for them, not me. You know, Did so if I, if I feel guilty over choices I make and, you know, I've made some tough ones. If I feel guilty is for the better of my children, then I, I'm that's the easy way to look at it. Uh, are you talking about your your hair? Yeah, my kids love my hair. <laughs> Number, like, f- you're the weirdest mom. We're so lucky. That's what they say. <laughs> uh, well, wait till they, wait till they grow up and listen to this fucking show, and they send you a fucking therapist bill. It's like a million dollars. <laughs> Number five, we do not share our past mistakes. Uh, we as adults must let them, but that doesn't mean we can't help them navigate these scary waters. Share with them the relevant mistakes you made when you were their age. I haven't seen this. I'll be honest with you. Have I you? I think we would. I, oh, it's I, huge. I would, I would think people would, especially the the whole feelings of everything. Like, yeah, I, I want to be open with our children, so why can't we disclose what we've done in the past? I would think this is more evident. Yeah, I would actually say, if anything, my <laughs> I'm kind of surprised by this. I would think you probably should shut yeah. the fuck up about something. I am good. dreading, dreading telling my children my past. Are you kidding me? But are you gonna? Yeah, when when those situations arise, if we're talking about like smoking pot and drinking. When what about was- the bonded shoot? Oh, <laughs> wow. You just hit. <laughs> yeah, I'm speechless. Chris- yeah, that one may never, ever come up. <laughs> Let's have Christy help you with this. I don't she see that this. as a mistake. So. I'm no, I don't put myself either. in her ch- children's shoes. If I were to find out my mom was in a bondage video, I'm wondering yeah. how I would react. Well, that's you. I don't it wasn't a video. Jeez, you guys are. <laughs> oh, sorry. The video is an extra forty nine dollars. <laughs> Whoops. Christy, are you going to have children someday? You think? Um, I, I hope to one day if I'm capable thereof. Now, for those of you who don't know, Christy is the beautiful and sexy model that has lent me her bootay for our uh, promo ad. She it must was, work out. Yeah. She's, no, she doesn't. No, I don't. I don't. Not at all. She I'm said, and I quote, I have a God-given hot bod. So she's also modest. So I love that about her. <laughs> <laughs> but you do all types of shoots. Um, you do bondage shoots. You do, you know, basically you'll, you're, what, I don't even know what you call it. You're an amateur professional, right? Is that the term? Yeah, that's what I call it, amateur professional, and the fetish pays more, so. So if you have kids one day, it's like, you know, my mom posed in Gear Magazine, like in lingerie, she did Vanity Fair in lingerie, and that was difficult, I'm not going to lie to you guys, that wasn't the best day at school, but there was never any, like, fetish porn, and Christy, you do nude modeling there's boobs you're tied up i saw one where you were tied up you had a thing in your mouth it was really hot by the way like a ball <laughs> she had like a like a yeah, scarf I'm, through her mouth i'm actually and... exclusive with them but yeah i go up every three months to boston that's probably when i call into your show in february i'll be yes. out in boston during the bondage shoot can, can we listen to the bondage shoot <laughs> yeah yes right after the bondage shoot as soon as the gag comes out i'll be calling you <laughs> call with the gag actually that might be hot i'm sorry i, took, I should take a moment off okay but anyway do you worry the question is do you worry someday like and I'm not saying it's a mistake, by the way. I don't think it's anything you should be ashamed of. But if you have kids and your kids become of age and they see these pictures, is that something you well, – a better question. Is that something you would keep from your kids, your theoretical, hypothetical Absolutely kids? Absolutely not. Um, I believe that the industry, the way the world is going, is becoming a lot more liberal. 
And if my parents would have shared half the things that they did in their life with me that, you know, they, they wouldn't have, you know, rescued me from so much because I've already, I would have already known, hey, the world is like this. This happened to me in my life. But because my parents put me in this little sheltered bubble and they didn't tell me anything about their past until I was 22 to 25, you know, I was left kind of in the dark. So I absolutely would want to share this with my children. And my poor brother heard enough rumors as a child about what I did with my scandalous life. Well, really, it doesn't get much worse than your own siblings having to catch shit. But um, oh, yeah. I would definitely want to share that with my children because it's it's not necessarily something that's not out there. Um, I know at 14, I was on the Internet looking at hogtie.com. So yeah, nowadays, yeah. it's not necessarily things that children aren't even exposed to. Do you think uh, I don't I, I'm sure you get this question all the time and I hate that I'm even asking it. But do you think the fact that you were raised in such a sort of a stringent bubbly life led you on some level to become sort of a nude bondage model? Is like there is a hint of rebellion in it? Yeah, yes and no. Okay. I've always loved to be naked. But, um, Me too. Yes, but in the sense that, no well, uh, you know, when I turned 18, I went and I got a nose piercing because my mom was like, oh, I hate piercings in the face and da 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 and I got my nose pierced. And she was like, oh, that's cute. You know, so uh, to an extent, yes, but to an extent, um, I was looking for a way to make fast cash, and I, I always had a good body. I always love being naked so the second i found out i could be paid to do so i said hey why not this sounds like it's a job for me you know so if that's something my children will be interested in or they want to hear about or if they want to ask me questions about because i know horror stories about the porn industry and everything else and, and everybody tells me oh well you're going to become a stripper get into porn because you're a nude model well it doesn't always work that way you have to know what your limits are it's these girls that go in with no limits set and don't know who they are and they're still trying to find themselves like jen can lead to like real emotional me. drama and, and, and trauma in, in internal and external as well i just needed money for coke <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. there was uh, nothing deep about my <laughs> moment <laughs> i posed not i posed nude for coke yeah that's gonna be i cannot wait to your kid you had that conversation. I was okay. 20, can, though. Can I be there, though, Jen? Can and you promise me that? And I was still a straight-A college student, so, I mean... But when are you going to tell your kids that you did uh, bondage porn for Coke? No. Oh. Can but I, I will, tell them? I will tell them my childhood. Well, because that was Jen just a, a moment. Limit. That wasn't something that affected me, honestly, at all. Oh, God, I can't wait to tell them. Uh, <laughs> number six, got to move on. We're running out of time. We mistake... I think this one's actually very intelligent, yes. or very exciting. Because uh, even I, the like, supreme genius of this fucking planet, didn't even come up with this one. But we as parents mistake intelligence and giftedness and influence for maturity. Now, they lack uh, wisdom. Yeah. Like, and this is something I talk about. This is now I'm going to pull this off parenting just to show how like I win all the goddamn time. Because, you know, I love to show how I win. Right, Jen? This is my approach, the way I feel about doctors. Uh, many psychotherapists, a lot of people that the rest of us uh, actors even look up and go, well, these people have something. They're successful. They seem intelligent. They must be fine. They must be have their shit together. How the one question when Bill Cosby comes up, how could this guy uh, drug and rape all these women? He could have any woman he wants because people think if you're successful or you have a doctorate or MD or whatever, that you're not an asshole. You're not immature and they're not mutually exclusive. Is that the right thing to say? Or they are mutually exclusive. You're the teacher. Not mutually exclusive. If they're together. They're not connected. Then they're not mutually they're exclusive. They're not. Thank you, ladies. They're not mutually exclusive. So you can have a kid who's uh, very precocious, who's very intelligent, who displays all sorts of signs. He, that doesn't mean he's going to be able to navigate through life. That doesn't mean you don't have to give him the same tools you would give a kid that's not as smart like Jen or Eli when they were kids. 
All right, number seven. <laughs> we don't practice what we preach. That I don't even need to read. I mean, come on. We don't. Oh, I totally do. Do you? In front of my children. When you do bondage porn for Coke money? But I don't do that with my <laughs> kids. And actually, since I've, I mean, honestly, I met my husband at 23. Everything that. changed at 23. I married, I met a cop. I mean, I, I have my own yeah. built-in discipline. How did you guys meet? We, I was a teacher with a cop friend's wife that was a teacher. Oh. And mm-hmm. she introduced us. She's like, they I know this nice Chinese American guy. You should meet him. <laughs> That's how she told me. <laughs> is she Chinese? Because why does she sound like no, that? No, I don't know. I just. I met the nice Chinese guy. <laughs> if I say the word Chinese, my accent comes out. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on. I, that was that was it. You could. Uh, where can you find this article again, Eli? It's, or the it's book. On, it's on four. Oh, the book? Yeah, Tim Elmore. We should give him a plug. Uh, why? Can you look that up real quick, Eli? Do you mind? No, Sorry. Uh, in the meantime, Christy, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a plug because you do. Uh, for anyone that's interested, you can pay her to, to pose for you. She won't do well. It, I'm sure she'll do nudity if you pay her extra. I didn't pay for the nudity package, and she doesn't send free nudes, so don't try it, guys. I've tried relentlessly; it won't happen. Uh, she's exclusive to bondage modeling, so you won't get bondage pics from her. But uh, it doesn't always have to be porn and g-string. She'll do anything. She's a very pretty girl. And if you're interested, where can they go, Christy? Uh, Christy K R Y S T I dot Mir, M-E-E-R, at gmail.com, or Twitter handle K-R-Y-S-T-Y, K-R-Y-S-T-I underscore M. I do have to say, you know, oh, yeah, Eli. Also, Tim, if you want to read about Tim Elmore or find more information about him, you can learn about him at growingleaders.com or look up his book called Habitudes, H-A-B-I-T-U-D-E-S. I mean, that is if you want to be a better parent. Yeah, and just also, if you want to, tweet this guy if you're in the cult and say you know we did a great show about you and you know you proved that jake's always been right we want to thank you that would be cool too just make sure you tag me and then say jake is always right hashtag jake is always right all right i am gonna christy i'm gonna let you go we got to move on to the next subject thank you for calling i hope you'll call in more often it was nice to have a fresh caller thanks yeah, christy. hot ass and a good brain i like that uh yeah, yeah. are you talking about me or christy sorry. christy <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry christy what was that I try sometimes. Now you're 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 welcome new uh, addition. So let's move on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Of course, and yeah, I didn't mention or ask because I didn't want to be rude, Jen. I was so you're such a sexist like hashtag rape question. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We the show's going late, but I thought that was good. That was a good thing that needed to be done because again, hashtag Jake is always right. All right, now can we move on to less depressing news? And the way pussies are ruining the country with the way they're parenting their pussy children and talk about the Charlie Hebdo terrorist attack. Now, everyone knows all about it. I don't need to break through the news. We all know that Charlie Hebdo is like a satirical magazine in France. It's like, uh, you know, Mad Magazine or The Daily Show. They're funny. And they multiple times had posted cartoons of Muhammad, which we all know you can't do because those pesky Muslims, those peaceful, loving God-fearing, wonderful Muslims freak out when they see a cartoon and they threaten to cut your fucking heads off. So they did it. They did it a few times. They were warned. Uh, And then fucking they were attacked and shot and killed. Many of them. And uh, it's a terrifying story. It's crazy. Those of us in America, we have it so good. We're so used to being able to tell a joke. We, We can do a podcast like this. We can have our own opinions. We don't have to worry about being shot. Worst we have to worry about are some psychotic followers on Twitter that like give out our home addresses and threaten to call CPS. But other than that, 
we don't get shot at. And the other thing about Hebdo that's really awesome to talk about is after they were attacked, the very next cover is a yet another cartoon of Muhammad, which is a, a, it's such an amazing thing we are witnessing here. This, to me, is akin to Rosa Parks or MLK or any great movement where there's a turning point. For me, I could be crazy, but that's how I see it. They were attacked, they were shot, they were killed, and it didn't stop their free speech. They fought. And these are French people. Talk about pussies. The French are like known for being pussies. They let Hitler come in and buttfuck them all. They didn't care. And now they're standing up for free speech, and they're going to probably die. Whoever did this next cartoon is probably going to get shot and beheaded by these peace-loving, God-fearing Muslims. And when this thing happened, we wanted to cover it on the show a few times, but we ran out of time. And it's all been covered, so we don't need to talk about Hebdo. But what I definitely want to talk about is that we are already in a war. This it's that's not something where we have to discuss because sometimes I see discussions on Twitter or I see even my friends were like, "What are we going to do about these Islamic fundamental? Like, what are we going to do? Like, there's a plan. We are doing it. We are already doing it. Many countries after Hebdo, uh, like Ireland, for example, they're they're challenging their own constitution. They want more free speech because they have all sorts of crazy laws there because of the the war with you know between them them and the Christians and blah blah or the Catholic Church. So long story short. Everyone's sort of freaked out here in America and parts of Europe. They are asking to increase surveillance. And, of course, the gun nuts are going to come out like myself. So there is a reaction happening. Um, and I'm tired of having this discussion where we sit here and go, these fucking Islamic fundamentalist terrorists need to die. And then immediately we're, we're fucking rushed in with a flood of people going, well, not all Muslims are terrorists. And that's become the discussion, at least in this country. And I'm sick of it because we all know that. We know there are wonderful Muslims out there. We know they're not all terrorists. We know Islamic fundamentalists are a extremist group within this religion. Everybody understands that. We don't need to even have this debate anymore. It's understood. The difference is, what we need to say now, is that even these peace-loving, God-fearing Muslims, honestly, and Bill Maher has been pointing this out brilliantly the last month, they aren't doing enough. They aren't standing up against these fundamentalists. They are sitting here coming on with the white liberals here in America going, you have to understand this is not all Muslim, not all, hashtag yes, all women. It's like that. They're doing the pussy move. And the point is, yes, even though they're wonderful, many of them, they aren't standing up. They aren't reteaching their children different things. In fact, if you look at the culture now, uh, the way the entire Middle East functions, the way these people work is, yeah, there's extremists in charge and there's good ones. But nobody's standing up to them. They're they're equally afraid of them as we are. And the only person standing up, honestly, is Charlie Hebdo right now. They're the only one with balls to do this. And the rest of us should follow that. That's the point I want to make is forget the discussion. Forget the libtard sitting here saying we have to be PC. Fuck PC. The question to you, Jen, and to you, Eli, and you callers out there is what do we do? How do we stop this? How do we stop it? Let's fucking forget the PC war. What do we do? My first idea especially with the charlie hebdo incident is let, let's fucking put muhammad on every single you know bulletin yeah. every not here though i don't want to die oh yeah no no not in our cities <laughs> yeah, okay. but like you know the people but the no, we just you can't back down because someone doesn't want you to draw a picture because it's sacrilegious for them yeah i mean that's i'm sorry but i'm not gonna worship satan because you do yeah you know so why do i have to follow their religious rules that's bullshit they're taking over and you know what i'm a little afraid at this point i'm terrified yeah. I'm t i mean i'm terrified of extreme i'm, I'm terrified afraid because of... we're submissive 
to it. We're very submissive. Our president's submissive. They won't yeah. even use the words Islamic extremists. No, they're so concerned with uh, alienating peaceful Muslims. And I say, who cares? They're not peaceful Muslims. No, but the ones that are. They're but not. Who, they're I mean, not. They're not because they don't stand up to the people. These beliefs that these um, Muslims are using for violent acts are stuff that is in their Bible. It's in their Quran. You know, you, women get their clits cut. You get your hair cut. That kind of stuff. So the other Muslims are supporting this or they would be against those laws. Well, I mean, if you look at any religion, you could do the same with Catholicism or Judaism. Like, you know, we cut our dicks in Judaism. Right. So it's like right. if you, I, not to sound like a fucking white liberal douchebag because I hate sounding like that. I don't think the Quran in itself is evil. What I think is the prophet. Ask Cola that. Well, that's because that's the way like. It teaches women to be oppressed and abused and that men are more important. I mean, it's a very abusive Bible. It, Jesus. So is the Old Testament. Jesus so. taught turning the other cheek and to love your neighbor. And many Christians use his, his, you know, symbology to fucking push, you know, we want more guns and we don't care about blacks. I mean, it doesn't matter the way people respond to the original teachings. The original teachings themselves are fine. It's going to take the Muslims that are peaceful, quote unquote, yeah. to stand up to the Muslims that are not. That's yeah. what will really, really do it. Shut them down. Because Absolutely. you know what? You're just like us with the KKK. They use Christianity as their source of why they do what they do. You just made my own point. Though, right. Jim. But what I'm saying is us Christians need to stand up to KKK people and say, yeah. you guys are shit. You're not Christians. Yeah. You're going to go to hell for killing black people. Or you know? fucking abortion doctors, which those are Christian fundamentalists. Those they, they're, I'm not saying like, oh, Muslims are bad. And they Look go how blow up a doctor. Yeah, they'll fucking kill a doctor and a woman that had an abortion so there's extremists on all it's not even the religion but that's it a takes problem. the people in the same court as them okay islam and islam extremists are in the same court it's it their, takes them saying you guys are ruining our religion i think the, here's what i think it's the culture forget religion because it's the culture the culture in the middle east is very oppressive yes i mean anyone that would argue against that and go oh, yeah you know, no it's it's oppressive it's oppressive to women it's oppressive to Virtually everybody. And that's because the extremists are in control. And what happens is when you have fundamentalist extremists in control that are also like willing to die, like you can't even like threaten to kill them. They don't give a fuck. Um, that culture breeds evil. And those children are now being born in that culture. And the children are taught at a very young age that, you know, death to America kill. They don't never have a chance. They don't know any Americans. They never go out and play and go, hey, you know, this guy, uh, John Smith, isn't so bad. Durka Durka, that's how they sound. <laughs> so how do we change something so ingrained? Well, before we, I mean, it, it takes a long, long fucking time. I mean, honestly, that's such a heavy question. You can't do it in one generation. I just want to point out before we wrap the show up that for those of you who don't understand what we're talking about when, they, when we talk about the way they raise their kids, a child just executed two Russian spies. This happened earlier in the week. Fucking ISIS got on tape and they're like, they call him something like their little lion den. It's fucking creepy. It's like a nine-year-old boy with a gun, and he just kills his two men in the head. It's a nine-year-old boy. He doesn't know that this is wrong. For him, this is something he believes. So it comes down to, again, the theme for today's show and the theme for this podcast since its beginning and inception is it's how you teach the children. It really is. And this culture of Islamic fundamentalism, it is can't be changed overnight we have to start educating the kids to think freely maybe social media will help i don't know do you guys have any final thoughts i do i mean uh, in regards to europe uh, obviously you know these islamic fundamentalists have hijacked uh one of the three biggest religions in the world yeah 
and uh, I think they have the ability to organize themselves to protest against this type of hatred that's being obviously uh, promoted within their religion. It's their culture. I don't want to say religion, if that's okay. All right, whatever. It's their culture. It's important. It's an important distinction. That's like saying all Jews do this, but we all know that Jews do have anxiety and neurosis. That's their culture. It's not okay. their religion. So, therefore, <laughs> it's like if they're able to organize a 5 million person march in Europe yeah. in, uh, against the state of Israel, why can't they organize uh, a march against this terrorist attack? Yeah. That's around 5 million Muslims. And why why can't Obama and, and Americans stand up and go, we're against this as well, instead of going, oh, we're, we want to make sure we don't alienate the wrong peaceful right. Muslims. And like, don't show up with well, that that singer, uh, James oh, Taylor. Oh, James Taylor singing, you got a friend. Yeah. yeah. What happened to America? See, this is what I, okay. That's so embarrassing. This is what I'm talking about. The pussy's sticking over. Now, when a fucking terrorist attack happens to fucking ballsy-ass Charlie Hebdo people, America's response is, we are going to sing you a James Taylor song. You've got a friend in me. And now they're going to be like, fuck you, Muhammad Jihad, Muhammad Jihad, whatever, however they talk. Well, music does reach people sometimes. Yeah, Not fucking dirty fucking Islamic and fucking monkeys. a folk singer. Come on. It's like, can you do no. a little bit more than that? Here's what you do. Okay, I got the plan. I was setting this up. All right? Now, here's the thing we all know about these is, is jihadist Islamic fucking desert monkeys. Okay? They are insane. You're never going to reach them, right? You're not going to sit here and go, hey, you're. they want to die for their holy war. So here's what I suggest we do collectively, us in Israel and the whole world. We give them their holy war. We say, you know what? We are going to meet in the battlefield. We're going to finish the crusades. And we're going to see which fucking prophet was right, whether it was Muhammad, Jesus, or Moses. I don't know that Moses was a prophet. But long story short, let's go to war. Let's fucking go to war. Let's get tanks. Let's strap fucking vests. And here's why this will work. The only people that will fight on their side are the Islamic fundamentalists. It's like turning on a light switch and all the cockroaches spread. It's the opposite. We are letting them come in. We suck them in a trap. They will go on the battlefield. They'll strap fucking bombs to their chest like the fucking dirty monkeys that they are. And the peaceful Muslims, the ones that the libtards are all so worried about offending, they won't go to battle. They don't want to die. They're like, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't really believe in this Muhammad guy enough to die. They won't fight. Then you kill everyone that goes to war. You fucking annihilate them, blow them up in their caves, give them smallpox, blankets, whatever. It's fucking war. 161 to 2 like the high school coach. You fucking just bury them. And then all that's left are peaceful Muslims. It's so crazy, it just might work. What are your thoughts on that, Jen? That it won't work. Why? <laughs> it would work, you right? said it all. It's like if you, okay, if you have like four kids, right? And one of them's an asshole. No, I know. You're going to call them out and be like, hey, whoever wants to go kill a cat, yeah. jump up. Thank you. And then the kid that wants to kill a cat's the bad one. Yeah, yeah, thank you. See, it works. Why does no one think like me? Uh, Eli, do you have any thoughts? Uh, no, no comment. Well, I just think you have to focus on the youth. I mean, those are the ones that are going to actually change the world. So that's what I do. Well, you know, uh, this is a good way to wrap up the show. To make my point. You guys talk about this culture like it's going to change. I say you have to smallpox blanket and behead them. You guys think teaching the children's the world, but that's going to take forever. Because you know why? Right now what they're teaching children in the fucking Middle East is to kill. In fact, check this out. Fucking, I'm going to surprise you guys with something. This is the number one song in the Middle East right now. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and play it. This is artist... Uh, <laughs> Jenhod. Jenhod. So you think you're going to just teach the children? This is listen how these people teach their children. 
Just the death of America. You guys see what I'm saying now? I mean, how are we going to counteract the generation generation to these dirty <laughs> sand monkeys have? All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's installment of the Jake Pentland Show. Can you just play that one note, Eli, or no? You're not going to die. Oh, are you, wor- are you worried you're going to die? No, I just, it's too hard. It's too hard. Okay, great job. All right, well, I'd like to thank our caller. Uh, I, I realized Shangi was on hold the whole time. I feel kind of bad. Shangi, let him uh, on for a minute. That's Eric's fault. I'm oh, going to blame Eric. Blame Eric. Yeah, good job, Eric. Uh, okay, I'll unmute him for a second. Shangi, you're on the air. I didn't know you were on hold. I'm sorry. How do you like my song, Shangi? You're a songwriter. And thanks for that. Okay, well, so I guess we got out of that time. one easy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he wasn't okay. How does what's the line, Jen? America. I could hit it. I told you. Oh, no, I bet you could. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Muhammad Jihad.